listen to me. Let's do that hockey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Dauber Prospects Report. This is going to be report number 23. I'm one of the hosts, Peter Harling, and with me, as always, is Victor Nuno. How art thou, El Nuno? Mm, I'm doing great, Pete. It's great to talk to you again, and definitely looking forward to talking about some of these rookie tournament standouts, so definitely looking forward to that. And how are you doing, buddy? Well, I'm all right. I'm a little sad because like summer's kind of ending. I know I emptied the pool. I'm seeing pumpkins in people's driveways when I'm walking up and down the street. Pumpkin spices coming back out, which these are all terrible things. But the silver lining is prospect tournaments are on and hockey is just around the corner, right? Absolutely. The change in season. Yeah, maybe a little sad, but it also means hockey. So that's a good thing. That's right. But you know Uh, what hasn't ended is your fantasy draft. No, the Peter League is still enduring the slow draft. Um, Would you say it's petering out? Oh, I see what you did there. Hey, congratulations are in order for you, Victor. Um, I am super excited to announce for you your new role at Elite Prospects. Cam's uh, Robinson, friend of the show, has recruited you to join his growing staff of fantasy writers at Elite Prospects. So stick taps to Victor, everybody. Way to go, pal. Thanks, man. I must say I was I got that DM from Cam out of the blue and I was a bit floored and flabbergasted for a couple of hours thinking maybe he hit the wrong DM. Maybe it was a mistake, but <laughs> no, I'm very excited. And and obviously Cam's a great guy. And and he asked uh, Slim Cliffy, Michael Clifford and I to join him to do the fantasy stuff at EP ringside. And I'm super excited to be doing that. I'll be focusing as expected more on the prospect side and, and Clifford more on the, you know, redraft and kind of one year league side, which he's really good at and Cam will do everything in between. So looking forward to that. I think my, by the time this podcast comes out, my first article will have dropped. And so I'm excited. And if you have any feedback on that and things you want to hear, then please, please let me know. I'm very excited for that. That's a pretty, that's a pretty all-star team Cam's got there. The whole staff at Elite Prospects is amazing. So if you're listening to this episode and you're not a subscriber to EP Ringside, you're really missing out. The advanced stats you get with, with Elite Prospects on the player profiles, the way you can sort and filter different stats, and of course the article contents are all, well, it's called Elite for a reason. So highly recommend checking out Elite Prospects. But back to today's episode. We're going to be joined by our Pittsburgh Penguins prospect writer, Tyler Ball, who was attending the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo. And they've got a whole bunch of teams there that were participating in it. But before we get to that, we just kind of remind everyone that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're pretty excited to be part of that network. There's so many great shows, hockey-related content galore, everything you want from teams to prospects to fantasy to you name it it's all on there look up at the hashtag thpn to get uh, all the shows that are in there you can also use the DraftKings promo thpn for listening to this show you're welcome more on that in a bit though i also wanted to mention that the dpr show is proudly sponsored by Fantrax. it's the ultimate league manager for your any dynasty sport you're playing for fantasy it's completely customizable and we went over all of this in length on our Fantrax episode a couple episodes or reports ago. 
So go back and, and listen to that for all of the, the goods on fan tracks. And if you've decided you wanted to join or start a, a fantasy league, you can use the promo code to get a free league there. The link is fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. On with the show. All right. The Buffalo Sabres prospect challenge ended, I think, today. And it included prospects from the Buffalo Sabres, Boston Bruins, Montreal Canadiens, the New Jersey Devils, and the Ottawa Senators, and the Pittsburgh Penguins. As we mentioned in the intro, our Penguins prospect writer was in the house at the games, and he's kindly agreed to come on today's episode to talk about some of the prospects that impressed him. Welcome to the show, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to join. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for coming on. We got a lot of guests on the podcast, but not enough from in-house. So it's really nice to, you know, shine the spotlight on some of our talented writers. And you're kind of on the newer side. So welcome to the podcast, man. It's good to have you on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Excited to be here. Excited to be part of Dauber now, too, as well. So, yeah, well, you're doing good and, and getting into the rinks. And we got to get you some Dauber swag so you can wave the flag when you're in the press box. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, well, let's hit on a few of the players from each team that were in this tournament that guys that kind of stood out to you or and you can give us some insight on or players that we think that our listeners will want to hear about. So let's let's start with the host city. That would be the Buffalo Sabres. So one of the questions that one of our listeners had was the tweeners like Lucas Rusek, Brandon Biro have a shot at playing in the show. Both have had strong pro careers so far, but. You know, we're, we got to imagine that they'll have to be, they have to make a move to get any meaningful ice time or chance, or someone else will have to get moved to. Does Rusek or Biro strike you as guys that have a puncher's chance at making the roster? Yeah. So I think both have kind of their unique skill sets that they can bring to, especially the bottom six. Cause I think well, the top six of the Sabres is pretty set with either, you know, their top line of Buck, Thompson, and Skinner, or, you know, the young guys that are going to fill in on that second line with Cousins and Quinn and Paterka and all that. So I think that Rusek probably has the better chance to stick there because he has more of like the defensive and the forechecking things like that'll be able to stick. But if Biro can kind of work his way in, he's only had a couple uh, NHL chances. He came up, played an NHL game and actually ended up getting an injury the last time he was up. It was kind of unfortunate, but he's more of a smaller scoring forward that can bring some speed, which the Sabres already kind of have a lot of those smaller guys that bring speed which is kind of unfortunate for him but so i think rusek will probably have the inside track of the two to play more games if biro gets off to a good start in rochester which i'm assuming that's where he'll start he could probably get some call-ups especially with savoy and quinn now seeming like they might be out with injuries potentially so well we were going to talk about savoy next and, and yeah seems like he went for a bit of a spin hit the end boards looked like maybe a shoulder yeah, you can comment on that. But also, how did he look before the injury? Savoy is someone who I've been a little skeptical on just, you know, based on the size a lot of people have. But he has certainly a lot of smarts and has looked really well in the WHL. So we're looking forward to his pro progression this year. But maybe that might have to wait based on the injury, huh? Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, he did take a tumble in the end of the or the beginning of the Pittsburgh game there. Seems like he hit his shoulder into the boards. I'm not sure which shoulder it was i couldn't really see but he did have a shoulder injury before so hopefully it's not the same one the sabers haven't had an update yet other than he's going to miss the few first few days of camp while they evaluate him but before that he was 
Before that, he was pretty good. He was good in transition. Used a lot of his speed, which is kind of his main thing lately. Had some good plays with his hands to be able to kind of work inside. There was one where he kind of batted the puck out of the air after it kind of gotten dumped in and then shot it and was able to score. And so he had a good first couple games before he ended up getting hurt in this third one and was really driving that Sabres team that ended up winning their first two games. All right. Can I just follow up on that one real quick? I'm just wondering what you think Savoy's long-term upside is, as we talked about, and we're going to talk about some other Buffalo prospects here, one of my favorites, but do you think Savoy pushes his way to the top eventually, you know, two, three years from now? Is he like someone who's going to command top six ice time or maybe gets kind of pushed down? So I like Savoy. So I think he'll eventually end up in that top six. I think it is going to be tough initially to get that ice time because I think the Buffalo Sabres system is kind of getting like the LA Kings system has been the last few years where they're just so oversaturated with good prospects that some of the prospects are losing ice time with guys like Victor Olofsson is way out potentially after he's had his inconsistencies and then Jeff Skinner's getting towards the end of his contract. I could see them resign him, but I'm not so sure because he is getting older and they have guys to be able to replace him. I could see, they, I know the, the team really likes the boy, so I could really see them trying to push him and give him the ice time that he would need to be able to succeed. Yeah, Buffalo's got a good quality and quantity of prospects. Like Carolina had a few years ago and the cream rises to the top, right? Like not all of them pan out. So, you know, not saying that he's going to get the squeeze and, and not make it, but some of the guys are. And some of the guys like Tyler Madden in Los Angeles, he was a highly ranked prospect for a while. And he's getting a bit of the squeeze there. He's just not keeping up with the development of some of the other guys. So I wonder if Savoy falls down that path or blazes his way into the roster. One guy that you really like that you want to talk about is, and I'm really curious to hear about him, is a guy that I don't really have any kind of file or, or never heard of him before today. That would be big Russian defenseman and Nikia Novikov, six foot four left shot defenseman. He's a sixth round pick from 2021, 188th overall. He's 20 years old now. He's been playing over in Russia. Last year in the KHL, he played 62 games and he had five points and 14 penalty minutes. So I'm guessing from the tail of the tape that this is a defensive a big physical defender. Is there some offensive upside here? Because sometimes that can be a little bit muted or masked in the KHL. And then sometimes we can see those guys kind of kind of blossom a little bit when they get out from Russia. Yeah. Yeah. So with him, it was always about the defense and it was always about being able to play big minutes in the KHL so young. I mean, I think in his draft year, he had played KHL games, which is pretty rare for a defenseman over there to be able to play in your draft here and then this was our really first taste of seeing him in buffalo's offensive like push system of like get your defense involved and try and push the offense push the tempo and he had i believe five points in the prospect tournament so he showed significant ability to put up some offense and at that size and then with the way he skates and already defends it could be something that you know by next year or two years from now he's pushing for a spot in buffalo the thing that might hurt him a little bit is they do already have quite a few left-handed defensemen. So it depends on if Buffalo's willing to kind of play the, you know, two lefties or two righty or yeah, two lefties and or if they like to keep both a lefty and righty on, on the ice at the same time. So do you think he could be like the next Arbor Jack guy, a guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, has big size, is a good peripheral bangers sort of fantasy guy, but also has a little bit of 
can keep up offensively in, in a supporting role. Yeah, I, I think that could be a, a good comparison. He's definitely got to add some weight. He's uh, pretty skinny for uh, his height still. So he's going to have to probably go to Rochester for a year and just kind of really beef up and then lean into that physical style more. Yeah, He wasn't laying a whole lot of hits this week. And I think that was just more because he was focused on moving the puck and things like that. But there's been times in the KHL where he's been quite physical. So. So, so there you go, listeners. Nikita Novikov. There's a name to look up on in your fantasy leagues. I'm sure he's widely unowned and someone you can put on a sleeper list and kind of keep an eye on and see how we adjust to North America. Love it. Great deep cut there. Well, now we're going to talk about somebody who probably is a little bit more rostered and definitely not on the larger side, but one of my absolute favorite prospects, Zach Benson. Five foot nine. Yes, but on the smaller side, winger. But so fun to watch, you know, when I've watched him, WHL tape and, you know, just a lot of pro habits, I would say, you know, just in terms of the way he plays. And so that small frame, I'm a little less worried about, but I'm definitely eager to hear what you saw from him in this tournament. And I personally like him one of the best of all this stacked Buffalo prospect pipeline, but they definitely have a lot to choose from, you know, between Quinn Paterka, who are already there the boy we just talked about, Roseanne Kulik. I still think that Zach might be one of the one of the highest upside guys there. But tell us what you saw from Zach Benson in this tournament, Tyler. Yeah. So when the Sabres picked Benson at 13, I was shocked that he was still there. He was one of my higher rated players in that class. And to be able to see him live now for the, the first time was great. He's and a lot of people have talked about the speed and that the speed isn't quite where you would hope it is. And I think when he really like kicks it into gear, the speed's fine. I think he needs to maybe kick it into that extra gear a little bit more often, be able to kind of be as effective as he wants to be. But his vision, his passing are both great. His shot is going to have to improve, but that's going to improve with strength and, you know, things like that. And then the, the detail part of his game that I think is... It's talked about, but I think it's probably my favorite part of the game is like his forechecking and just his ability to be like hard on pucks. He's going to be able to get the puck back for your team. And he's going to be able to move it the next guy and be able to make a lot of different high danger passes from the corner and whatnot and really impact the game. All right. Another player I think uh, you might have teed up for is Victor Nuchev. Left winger, 5'11". He's 165, so he's a little on the slender side. Drafted in 2022, third round, 74th overall pick. So some draft pedigree there. What's the vibe on Nuchev? Is he a project forward? Does he have middle six upside in the next two seasons? What are we looking at with this guy? Yeah, so I, th- I think he's definitely a project. Like you said, he's a little on the lighter side. The Sabres have loved taking these kind of smaller Russian prospects that have played really well in the MHL. They did it with Alexander Kisikov, who recently played in the AHL for the first time this past year. So I think the the vibe will kind of be the same as Kisikov or Nuchov will kind of come in, play middle six in the AHL, and then kind of go from there, depending on how he does. He's more of a playmaker than a shooter. He's got good agility and good small area skills for somebody his size. I think he's definitely more of a long-term project, though, especially with how stacked the Sabre system is. If he gets moved somewhere else in some sort of potential deal, maybe he increases his timeline or you know, becomes a sooner to the NHL, but uh, for now, I think he's more of a, a project kind of thing. All right. And one last guy from Buffalo, and then we're going to move on to another team. 
Yuri Kulich, our, our producer, Evan, is curious about Kulich. He, he asked me to ask you about him and what, what you saw from Yuri Kulich in this tournament. I think he owns him in the Dauber Prospects Listening League, which is why he wants to know. That's my guess. All right. Well, he's got a, he's got a good one in Coolidge, that's for sure. I think Coolidge probably has the best chance to get to the Sabres sooner and stick because, one, he can go back and forth between the AHL and the NHL, which helps him in being able to come up for a stint. And then if he needs to go back, he can go back. But he's a goal scorer. He's got a wicked shot. He can release it from anywhere on the ice. He's going to be a power play guy that's going to be able to just sit on that that wing in that OV spot. Or, well, it's the opposite side from OV, but in that spot and just be able to rip shots. Pretty good in transition. Not the fastest guy, but he's able to find the rush lanes to be able to make his way up the ice. His playmaking is fine enough for somebody to shoot first guy. So, but he's definitely going to be a guy that's going to probably step up in the lineup at some point this year. He had a great year in the AHL last year. So I think he's definitely one to keep on your fantasy teams. I think great is an understatement. He had an absolutely historic AHL season yeah. for a teenager. You're being kind, but he, he was ridiculous. My, my wonder about him is that when you look at the center depth down in Buffalo, they have a lot of centers who could easily move to the wing. Like Tage can play down the middle, certainly, but he's played a lot of right wing, right? They got some offensive guys. Coolidge, to me, is a, is a different kind of center, right? Like he's definitely a, a grinded out, you know, tough to play against. So, so I'm wondering if you think he could be more of that first or second line center, or does he kind of end up being more the middle six matchup kind of guy, you know, down the road? Because I think they have very different kind of, guys down the middle even someone like Casey Middlestad has played you know some wing but he could you know certainly play down the middle so it's good to have options but I'm just wondering where you think he might best fit you know a year or two down the road yeah I think if he's gonna fit at center he's probably gonna end up on the third line as the third line center going forward because they love Tage at center he that's where he kind of broke out when he made that switch back to center from wing he really kind of developed his playmaking a lot more and was able to use his, his skating and his size a lot more in the middle of the ice. And then Dylan Cousins has been their second line center and he's really succeeded there in that role. Had his ups and downs for a young player, but I think they really like him there. I think if they get into a point where Coolidge is, you know, really succeeding, they could probably, depending on the night, have Coolidge be the second line center and Cousins be the, the third line center and just kind of roll him back and forth depending on, you know, the matchups and and who's playing well so but that third line center is is kind of up for grabs it was Casey Millsat this past year um kind of struggled towards the beginning of the year and then really turned it on in the back half of the year so for now it's going to be Casey's spot to lose but he's struggled with inconsistencies and stuff so I can very well see them try Coolidge in there eventually yeah, he seems like he's got more than bottom six upside to me and middle stats a player I I think I might have sold high on in one of my one of the leagues I'm in this year, he had a good season last year, so hopefully it was a sell high. Or if not, the other guy got a good deal. That's enough about the Buffalo Sabres, though. Let's move on to the Ottawa Senators. I heard a lot of buzz on Twitter about Sens goalie, the Finnish prospect, Levi Marilainen. 6'3", 174, drafted in 2020, third round, 71st overall by the Sens. He played his D-plus-1 season in the OHL. He came over as an import goalie. Uh, in Kingston. So I'm pretty familiar with Levy Marilyn and saw him a lot. The following year, last year, Ottawa loaned him out to Liga 
and he played pro over in his homeland of Finland. I thought that was a curious move, but made sense to get him in some pro reps. I think he didn't really have much more to do in the OHL. And Kingston took a step back after the, the year he played. So he would have been playing behind a, a pretty poor team. He finished last season back in North America, though. When the Liga year ended, he came across and had four American Hockey League games look pretty good. Had two cups of coffee in the NHL. So he actually had two NHL starts last year. He got lit up a little bit. But tell me what you saw in this tournament. Sounds like he might be he might be a real a real sleeper goalie here. Yeah, yeah. So for the prospects tournament, he played really well. He kept Ottawa in a lot of games, especially today, particularly. They played Montreal and they got outshot 31 to 9 by the end of the game, and they lost two to one. And Oof. so he kept them in the game the entire game. There was a lot of backdoor plays that he was able to kind of just slide over and easily take care of. He's a lot quicker than I thought for what I had heard about him. So being able to get across the net and be athletic, played pretty well. I would assume he's probably going to start in the AHL, but if he if he does well, then I could see him be up with the Sens and then kind of grow with that young core that is trying to put themselves together and make a playoff run. Yeah, the, the Sens NHL goalies, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if there was an injury or two there throughout the season. Uh, Mad Sogard is is in his way. Do you think he's potentially got the upside to to usurp Mad Sogard? I, I think it'll be tough because Sogard is a pretty good goaltender. I think if he carries the momentum from this tournament into the season, I think he could take a, a big jump in development. He, like I said, he basically carried Ottawa to multiple different games where they were either close to winning or they won the game because of his play. So. Yeah, good stuff on him. And the next guy we're going to talk about, the next senator, Ridley Gregg. He's someone who has already had some NHL action. So Gregg had 20 games last season. He had nine points in those 20 games, which is a 37-point pace. And I think what impressed me the most about him was he had some pretty good underlying numbers. So especially when guys aren't playing as much like him, just 13 minutes a night, you want to kind of see what he might be able to do with more and underlying his per 60 numbers were all really good. Corsi against expected goals against goals for all that looked really solid and in a limited NHL sample size. And he was really good in the AHL as well. Last season, 29 points in 39 games. So what do you think about Ridley Gregg and what did you see in this tournament? What do you kind of think he can do moving forward? Yeah, so his first game was probably his uh, best game of the tournament. He ended up having two goals. He got crushed at one point, got hit, and came back. And as soon as he came back, he was able to go down. The Sens were were on a power play, and he was able to go score. He plays a a physical style. He was one of the better Senators players probably for the entire tournament. They did struggle a little bit as a team throughout the tournament it felt like to kind of generate offense but he when he was on the ice he was able to kind of get them zone entries and keep possession for them and make a lot of hiding your plays and whatnot to get them more chances than they would have had without him so i think as far as fantasy goes we'll have to see how he does this year like you said he had a good year in the ahl so hopefully we'll have to see if he can continue that i assume he'll probably start in the ahl and then if he does well make his way to ottawa's middle six to, to start out yeah i like to hear that he took a hit and came back because we all remember really greg got knocked out of the world juniors when he was having that breakout performance with canada so there's two ottawa senators players levy marilina and really greg let's move on to montreal now the first guy we're going to talk to you about 
is Jan Mishak, center left winger, little undersized, 5'11", 183. Saw him play a lot when he was in the OHL with Hamilton. And, you know, I saw the skill, but I just didn't, I don't, I've never really been sold on him. He seems kind of peripheral. I'm not sure about his compete level and he's undersized. He ended up being a second round pick, 48th overall. His rookie year as a 20-year-old in the American Hockey League, he scored nine points in 40 games. And I just saw a really fascinating tweet from Victor's friend there, Byron Bader, about players that don't produce very well in their first year in the American Hockey League. And the history shows that doesn't bode well for their future. So sat counting, uh, scouting Jan Mysak, that it's, it's not looking very good for him. Is there reason for optimism here? Or were my spidey senses kind of right in his draft year? And, and this is a player that we, we probably want to pass on. Um, I would say your spidey senses were, were more on than they were off. Um, he did have a good game uh, a couple days ago where he had a goal and assist. But that was kind of the only game where he really stood out for Montreal. He, like you said, is more of a perimeter player. Kind of struggled to use his skills to be able to generate a whole lot. So I think for now, if he's a hold off, if he does well this year, he might be able to prove someone was wrong. But the prospects tournament wasn't kind of the coming out party that I was kind of hoping for from him. Good to know. So the next guy is Jaden Struble, and he is a six foot left handed D, 194 pounds, drafted in 2019 in the second round, played four years in the NCAA at Northeastern, the last year being an assistant captain, went pro at the end, played for Laval nine games, one assist, and not someone who I know a ton about, admittedly, uh, but kind of definitely interested to hear what you think about him. They definitely have some pretty decent prospects on the blue line. And so wondering where Jaden Struble fits in for you. Yeah. So he's got good mobility, six foot. He's more of a, a de- defensive two-way kind of guy that kind of relies on his partner to do more of the offensive stuff. He had an okay tournament, didn't really have any defensive mishaps, had a good defensive stick and whatnot. Offensively, he didn't really stand out a whole lot other than nice clean breakouts and some transition to be able to get Montreal into the offensive zone. But once they were in the offensive zone, he kind of took a backseat to a lot of the other players that were on the ice. Light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. New Jersey was in this tournament too. Let's hit on some New Jersey guys. First one would be Graham Clark. He's a right winger. He's six foot one seventy four. He's a twenty nineteen third round eightieth overall pick. He's the older brother of Los Angeles Kings Brent Clark, who, in my opinion, has far more significant fantasy upside. But we're going to talk about Graham. He's had two solid seasons in the AHL so far. And last year, he had a bit of a breakout, 58 points in 68 games. Checking notes, can confirm, that's not bad. Is he ready for a breakout or, or a jump to the NHL? Does he, are you seeing NHL upside with this player? Or is, is he a classic tweener where he's really good in the American Hockey League, but not good enough for the NHL? So I think he's going to be similar to the Bureau and Rusek conversation that we had before, where it's depend on what kind of player New Jersey is going to need. I think 
He's probably going to start in the AHL. He's got a lot of speed. He's able to do a lot of good offensive things with his hands and, and passing and whatnot, but he's not the most player as far as the forecheck goes and things like that. So he definitely would have to be in a scoring role more than anything else, but he definitely had a, a really good tournament. So he had several points this last game that they played today. He was creating all over the place with the passes and slot shots and all sorts of things. So he definitely was high event in the offensive zone. Yeah, the New Jersey, I'm just looking at New Jersey on cap friendly. They got about 15 forwards under contract on their pro roster. And Graham Clark is still waiver exempt. So he can go through waivers without being claimed. So I think we're looking at another year of American Hockey League, yeah, just from just yeah. from a contract status, right? Yeah, and I and on top of that, I think New Jersey is going to want to try and get more of the the veteran guys in their bottom six because their top six is so filled with younger talents that they might want to have more of that veteran presence in both the locker room and the lineup, maybe through their right. bottom six. So, right, uh, put me down on Team Tweener for Graham Clark as well, for sure. But <clears throat> yeah, definitely good to hear about him. And another guy we want to talk about from the Devils is Simon Nemec, second overall pick in 2022. He wasn't my favorite D in that draft. I was team year check all the way. Still am, by the way. But Nemec is a very skilled defender, excellent skater. I've always just been a little hesitant on his offensive upside, though. Like He's such a smooth skater and a transition defenseman, but I'm a little not sold on his offensive chops and that translating all the way. But Tyler, tell me what you saw from him in this tournament and how you think it might project to his future prospects as a offensive defenseman. Yeah, so I'm on a similar page with you. I think he's a really good defenseman. I think he's more of the two-way move the puck kind of defenseman than the offensive defenseman. There were a lot of points in this tournament where he would pick up the puck and he would be patient with it and he'd wait and find an option. But it would always be like the more safe option or like the kind of just move it to the next station option. He wouldn't ever like try and pass through a couple guys to get a high danger shot for a teammate or there, there wasn't a whole lot of shots from him either. So more just kind of all trying to do it through his passing. And for somebody with good uh, above average skating, he didn't use it a whole lot in transition. He prefers to kind of just sit back and then wait for that breakout pass to open and whatnot. I prefer guys that can impact the game and transition with possession. I feel like it's so hard to get the possession back once you lose it and you're more likely to lose it if you pass it. So if you have the skating ability and the vision to be able to go, I, I prefer guys that can do that. And Nemec just doesn't seem to be one of those guys. But with that said, he played good defense. He's going to be a good NHL defenseman from winning game standpoint, but maybe from a fantasy point, not so much, especially with guys like Luke Hughes and Dougie Hamilton ahead of him. I would expect him to probably get some NHL games this year. I don't know if he'll make the roster right out of camp, but I, I think he's got a decent shot at it. I'm not exactly sure who's on like their bottom pair there, but I could see him make it in more of just like a, a two-way. Yeah, I definitely could see that. He has the skating ability, certainly, to keep up at that level. But yeah, good to, to know about that. And that's something that I always saw from Juracek, too, and, and some of the other D in that class was that they would make more dangerous offensive passes or you know, maybe risky at times, but like judiciously risky, whereas Nemeth just always, yeah, preferred kind of the safe play, which is good at times, certainly, but you also want them to kind of push the envelope sometimes and 
put the other team in a, in a difficult situation. And he seems like he just doesn't do that enough for me, for my liking. Yeah, definitely agree. I, I think, especially when you spend such a high pick on a defense, you want him to be able to create chances for your team. And sometimes to create chances for your team, you got to take a more risky chance to be able to, to beat a puck into somewhere that might cause a turnover, but it's also might get a goal for you. So, Yeah, got to be judicious with that. But yeah, you'd like to see that. Okay, that's New Jersey. Let's switch over to Boston, who definitely doesn't have the most exciting prospect pool, but you know maybe there's some gems here that we can mine out of what's going on here. So the first guy we're going to talk about is Trevor Kunter, K-U-N-T-A-R. He's a six foot, 196 pound center winger. He was drafted in the third round in 2020. Played three years at Boston College. This last year here, 29 points in 34 games was pretty decent as a junior and he's he's going to turn pro and and play in providence probably this season so it looks like he's potentially has some upside if you believe that he's kind of a late bloomer but what did you kind of see from trevor kuntar yeah so with kuntar he he played in a top six role here if he's going to play in boston it's probably going to be in a bottom six like energy role i could definitely see him be like that kind of test with some scoring ability that they kind of love there in Boston. That's got a little bit of an edge during a lot of the games. He would be on the bench kind of talking trash to the other team and, and getting a lot of the physical kind of things. But then he also had some skill with some hands and a good shot. So his playmaking probably has to improve a little bit and he's going to have to get a little more involved in transition, but he was, he was pretty good. And it was a homecoming for him too. He's actually from the area. So at one point he, he scored a goal and his family, section kind of all went nuts so that was it was a pretty cool moment for him i think and then uh you saw him talking to his family and everything afterwards so cool moment for him to be able to come back home and play a game and do well what, what do you see his upside being then like does he have a chance to make the the roster this year or because uh, boston's not that deep with prospects right so i mean they've got some prospects that i'm really interested in so we're going to talk about three of them so i'm just kind of wor- curious about if you think he's got like a like i said earlier a puncher's chance at making a really strong impression he's he's 22 years old already so he's not like he's 19 right or 18 he's not that young so it's got to be sooner than later for guys like that do do you think he's got a shot my guess is he'll probably end up in the ahl just based on the fact that he hasn't been in the organization that long he had just graduated college so i would imagine they'll send him to providence for a year i could see him like throughout the year if he plays well in providence like he had in this tournament being able to kind of find a spot like I said he's perfect lends itself to especially in like that Boston kind of system so I could see him earn that chance but I think he's gonna have to kind of show himself in in Providence first right and another guy that's just like Trevor Kuntar is John Farinacci so this is a formerly pretty highly regarded prospect drafted by Arizona 2019 in the third round unsigned by Arizona and he became a free agent this August and I'm pretty sure he's a Boston native so the Bruins scooped him up he was he's from the neighborhood he played he was the captain for Harvard for these last couple seasons 20 points in 19 games last year another 22 year old that we're talking about here and, and Farinacci is is he a guy perhaps I mean they don't have as much draft pedigree in this guy like he doesn't have the first round draft pick golden ticket so we're not going to throw opportunity after opportunity at him but despite that does he have do you think the potential to to command at least a, a really honest look at training camp to make the roster right away 
Yeah. So in prospect camp, he was kind of just a, another guy out there. He had some zone entries and kind of things. He did well in certain spots, but he didn't put up nearly the kind of amount of points that I was expecting for somebody that had all this hype over the offseason about being right. signed and, you know, where was he going to go and who's going to, you know, win the sweepstakes for Farinacci. But I really, I could see him do well. I mean, the prospects tournament, I mean, it's against other prospects, so it's not really the best determiner of how you're going to do in the nhl because it's more of a open style with a lot of hitting and and a lot of speed and trying to score so i definitely could see him settle into a role with boston it'll be interesting to see how many preseason games he gets and what kind of opportunities he gets there but i think definitely for now it would be a, a bottom like third fourth line role to kind of get him into the team but he might also need a few games in providence to get going so so you're saying there's a chance so you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! All right. So, yeah, I like that one, too. I like Farinacci for as a depth guy, for sure. Let's talk about the last guy who's one of my favorites, and that is Frederick Brunet, or Brunet, I guess, because he's French-Canadian. I'm not sure. But anyways, he is a six foot three, 190-pound left-handed D, drafted just the 2022 in the fifth round. So definitely a bit later. And he's in the QMJHL and had pretty great D plus one season where he was kind of in between the Ramuski and Victoriaville. And he went to over a point per game with Victoriaville and was kind of right at that level with Ramuski. When you look at Brad Bader's chart, he has a pretty decent, you know, offensive upside in terms of, of all the, players in the Boston pool, he has one of the highest, which isn't saying a whole lot. <laughs> but I think in our organizational ranks, I did call him the best prospect they had just because I'm a little sour on Liesel. And so we'll have to just see how that goes. But I think that there's some upside here. Kind of depends on how he progresses. He did play uh, one game with Providence and had two assists. So basically, he's a two point per game defenseman. I, I think we can just write that in stone and, and move on, right? No, just kidding. So tell me, Tyler, what did you think about Brunei in this tournament? And do you think he has some decent upside? Or am I just uh, completely crazy on this one? Yeah, so he's an interesting case, because I believe he played some center as well in the QMJHL. So he's an interesting one, because he played both center and defense there. He was strictly a defenseman here in in Boston. He ran a breakout really nicely. He had some controlled entries. Whenever he was on the ice, their offense kind of did run through the point. So he definitely has that ability to get shots through and find passes and things like that. He didn't have a ton of points from what I remember. He probably had maybe two or three in the tournament, which I guess is pretty good considering you play three games. It's about point per game, but he played well. I, I'll be interested to see how he does in Providence. He definitely has the tools to be one of their their better offensive defensemen eventually he's got the the smoothness and the skating that you look for and then the passing ability well i hope you're right because I've, I've taken victor's advice on frederick brunet and i've added him in a couple of my fantasy leagues so i'm banking on cashing in on some sage victor advice here all right last but not least let's talk about your team the pittsburgh penguins we got two players queued up for you to talk about and then if there's any other players from pittsburgh that you want to to hit on because those are your boys. We can do that. Yeah. So the first one is Braden Yeager, the Penguins first round pick from this past draft, 14th overall. Six foot center. He'll be heading back to junior to the WHL. 
play another year or two there before he's really ready to turn pro and, and compete. So we're, you know, looking at Pittsburgh's prospect pool, we're pretty confident that he's got NHL upside, but we just have to be patient with him. So in the meantime, what do you think he needs to work on in order to become an NHL top six player? So I think with him, it's a lot about details. He's got a very good offensive game. He's got a, a really nice shot. His playmaking's good enough. I think that'll improve as he plays more and just gets more comfortable and really leans into it. If I would imagine that's something that Pittsburgh will want him to try and lean into more is the playmaking because obviously he's not going to be able to just come down the wing and rip shots every time. I think that was one of the biggest criticisms he had from like the draft community. And it's one of the things that I noticed is that a lot of times he would just kind of come down the wing and rip a shot without any sort of like manipulation of the pace or trying to cut in. So he was more of a, a perimeter player, which is kind of scary for center. You'd like the centers to be playing through the middle, but I could see him definitely focusing on that and then just forechecking and being more involved off off puck. But his hands and his shot are definitely his best tools that he could definitely use to make it to the NHL eventually. And I think we could be in a Savoy type uh, scenario next year if he has a good year in the W again, where we're talking about, well, can he get an exception? Can he not? With Pittsburgh, it's a little bit more tough because they obviously have a lot deeper of a roster and they're trying to make cup runs with Crosby and, and Malkin. But I think if he has a, a good enough year, it's a discussion to be had. Yeah, and that that Pittsburgh pool is wide open in terms of rising to the top. And actually, the guy that we have been talking about forever is Samuel Poulin. And he's the next guy we're going to talk about. Six foot two, 188 pound wing. And he was drafted 2019 first round, 21st overall. That was one of the very few first round picks they've had in a while, him and Jaeger. And for a long time, it was basically just him that we were all hoping for. And he was really good in the queue. And last, uh, the 21-22, he transitioned to the AHL. It was a little rough, you know, not quite, roughly around half point per game. And then this past season, he only had four points in 15 games. And I guess took a leave of absence for some personal reasons. I remember when I talked with Jesse Marshall of The Athletic about him, he was talking about how difficult it was to for him to kind of get around. Like his mobility is kind of an issue. I believe he even said something to the effect of it's like an 18 wheeler making a turn. That's never something you want to hear about someone skating. So I think that's always been his issue is, well, I mean, he obviously he had, sounds like he had some mental health stuff, which hopefully that's all for the best. But in terms of his play on the ice, what did you see from him in this tournament? And do you think he can still, can he hack it in the NHL? Because obviously if he can play with some of those great players in Pittsburgh, then that would be fantastic for him and, and for the Penguins. Yeah, so first of all, obviously, it was just great to see him back on the ice after everything he went through last season. He looked pretty good. The skating is still not ideal, which at this point, it's probably never going to be with how much he's how much time he's had developing it. And it's kind of never really come along. So he's going to definitely have to be one of those guys that relies on being able to get the puck in the offensive zone and then create with his playmaking. He is quite good in puck battles and in like the front of the net and things like that, especially for his size. So that might help him. I think we're probably looking more at like a third liner at his best, but I think he could definitely bring like the details to be able to be an NHLer. But I think the, the ceiling that was on him at one point is not quite there anymore. So. Yeah. He's a prospect that 
has all the opportunity in front of him and he's just not moving forward with it. So he's kind of becoming a diminishing asset, looking like he's going to be more of a bust than a hit. But, you know, for him, we'll hope that maybe he has some, you know, these are all humans, these hockey players, and he had some issues going on aside from his skating. Hopefully he's got all his other issues sorted out. And, you know, he, he better stand out at a prospect tournament when he's, what is he, 22 years old now? And he's playing against 18 and 19 year olds. He's got a lot more pro experience than these guys, so he should look good, like one of the better players in it. And we'll see what he does in training camp. So I think he's a player to not totally abandon if you're holding on to him in your deeper leagues and he's in your prospect bench or on your watch list. I think he's still worthy of our attention, but we'll see what he does with it this year. It's one of his running out of chances, I'd say, yeah? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say definitely keep a keep an eye on him. He did do okay in his return to the AHL last year. So maybe he'll be able to use his brain to be able to kind of figure things out. I mean, there's plenty of those guys in the NHL that are, you know, a little bit lower paced, but have the the brain to be able to figure it out. And that was always kind of the thing with Poulin was his hockey IQ was pretty good and his passing was pretty good. And those guys seem to be able to make it work with the lower pace of any of the guys, I feel like. Right on. Tyler, are there any prospects in this tournament or from Pittsburgh that, uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk on that you wanted to hit on? So the only other one from the tournament specifically is Isaac Beliveau. He's a defenseman that plays. He's a Pittsburgh defenseman. He played last year in Gatineau. He played 55 games and had 46 points in the queue. He was definitely the best defenseman for Pittsburgh, moving the puck, smooth guy, being able to make passes and things like that, was running their power play the whole week. Um, so he was definitely a guy that I think could have some uh, offensive upside. He's going to Wilkes-Barre this year to play in the AHL. Um, so we'll see how much playing time and things he gets there. The prospect pool on defense for Pittsburgh isn't all that great. Besides, I mean, Ty Smith is still there, so he'll probably be in Wilkes-Barre ahead of Beliveau. But other than that, Beliveau will probably be the the guy down there far as points goes so hopefully he takes a step and can become an offensive defenseman that all right isaac bellavo heading straight to my fan tracks watch list after this episode <laughs> fortunately for me i've got the advantage of when i find out about players like this from the guests i can look them up before the episode gets posted and get a yeah, jump on all my get a jump on all my league yeah. competition except for victor insider <laughs> no, insider trading <laughs> yeah yeah we're in a league together now victor not in the listener leagues but in the dpfhl we're we're in a league there so yeah insider trading indeed yes then you can have him that's fine Pete. <laughs> well he's only going on my watch list i'm not actually acquiring him <laughs> but we'll see we'll see tyler i really enjoyed this chat man it's really nice to uh you know get insight from some of our guys when they're in the rinks and, and watching these players there's I, I'm, I guess I'm, maybe I'm old school. I know there's a lot of analytical scouting and video scouting that goes along, but I just don't think you can beat being in a rink and watching the guys live. There's so much more you, I think you can pick up. So thanks for going to the games. I hope you enjoyed them. For anyone who doesn't follow you on Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it, what's, what's your handle there, my man? So my handle there, I always forget it. Hold on. It is TylerBall497 on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Like you said, Thank you for having me. I, I did have a great time at the games and, and got to hang around, around some cool people in the rink and watch some hockey. So I had a great time and I had a great time here. So appreciate you guys having me on. Hopefully we can do it, do it again at some point. Thanks for listening to Dubber Prospects Report number 23. For feedback on the show or to chat with us, follow us on Twitter at DPR underscore show is the main show. 
at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G is Pete, at Victor Nuno 12 is me, and at Sabra91 is Evan. And don't forget to follow at HockeyPodNet for all the great podcasts on the network. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or the podcast aggregator of your choice. And please, if you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, leave a five-star review. It really helps the show. And until our next show, keep your sticks on the ice. One more Neutrogena tantrum out of you and you're getting the gate, bud. Try me. Let's do that hockey. Hockey.